there's a lot more I can do with them and that I've been doing with them. And it, it, it's the best thing that ever happened in my life was just realizing that there is a myth and giving 110% means you have nothing left when you get home and they deserve more than that. And that's what I'm going to give them from now on. Yeah, pretty sobering comment, isn't it? When I first saw that video, I'm like, ooh, kind of resonated a little bit slightly with me. Um, and even as I think about Father's Day, you know, men, sometimes we don't have a, we don't pace ourselves very well. Uh, we're good at, at going like crazy and then being exhausted. And I want to encourage you uh, to pace yourself. And I titled my message this morning, Dad's Seen and Heard. You know, when we think about fathers, it's, it's one thing to uh, be available and it's another thing to actually be there. And so, man, I, I want you to know that I'm praying for you and, and praying God's strength upon you. And I'm grateful uh, that I have daughters that love the Lord. And that, you know, uh, one thing early in ministry that I came to realize that my relationship with my wife and me, honey, you're amazing. You put up with me for 30 years. Oh my goodness. You deserve all the gold in the world and diamonds to boot. But, uh, you know, one thing that is important is that as men, that we set the pattern and the, and the pace. And, and in our church, I mean, I love our church and I love those who serve in our church, but guys, far often than not, we've allowed the ladies just to, to go and, and we've sat back and said, good, they can keep going. Guys, it's time that we understand that if we're going to make a change, we have to take leadership, we have to take responsibility, and we have to show that through examples. And, and it can't be just, giving lip service. If we're saying that we're a church of prayer, then guys, it should be us leading prayer. And not that we don't want ladies praying, but it has to, you, as men, we have to step up. Far too often, guys, we've kind of just neglected our duties. And as a young pastor, I realized that, you know what, the only thing, and somebody told me that somebody wise, and I don't even remember who it was, but they said, you know what, as a pastor, the only thing that you will take from church to church, wherever you go, is your family. I mean, obviously you take your belongings, but the only people that you're ministering to is your, is your family. And your family needs to be strengthened. And I, I remember, you know, I think it was after we were burning out early in ministry, and I was like, I can't keep this up. And I'm, we went then, our kids were younger, we were pastoring in, in Manitoba. And I said to the church, I said, you know what, uh, my kids, my wife comes first, my kids are second, and, and you're like third, and the only two of you get to move up to be second because I have two daughters. And that's, that's just the way it is. I said, if, if my kids are at a school event, I'm going to be there. You're mature enough that you can lead a Bible study. You've been a, a believer long enough that you can do those things. You don't necessarily have to have the pastor to do it. Because I wanted my girls to know that, that they come first. And, and throughout ministry, that has been important to me, is that my, 
my kids, my daughters know that they are important. Because that is a ministry, men. It is a ministry that you have. God has called you to that ministry. And if he's blessed you with half a dozen kids, then he's blessed you with half a dozen kids. If he's blessed you with a, a, a dozen like my grandfather had, then he's blessed you with a dozen like my grandfather had. You know, it's, did he have 12 or 14? I can't even remember. 14? Oh my goodness. See, I, I got aunts and uncles I forgot about. Whatever God has blessed you with, if it's one, if you don't, if you don't even have kids, God wants to use you to be a blessing to someone else. I say, uh, the only one who I let, when we were missionaries in Africa, the only young man that I really let call me daddy or, or papa or whatever, because they like to use that term often, was my friend Brian. Brian is a, is a double orphan. Both of his parents have passed on. And, and so I, we knew Brian before he was married as a young adult. And he was in his 20s. I just began to pour into this young man. He's doing amazing things now. Uh, he's, he's growing leaps and bounds. And because he was a double orphan, I thought, you know what? Okay, he needs a father figure. He needs somebody who's going to pour into him. So you can do that. You know, he, Brian's not my actual son, but I, you know, every once in a while he'll call me... Papa, hey, how's it going? You know, how's mama? And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind that. You know, he's not doing it because he thinks I owe him something. He's doing it because he respects us. But, uh, men, I want you to know that you have a vital role of importance to play. And, and not only in your own personal family, but in the life of this church. I had a, three different titles for this message um, seen and heard, fathers that are seen, where you live. Uh, you know, it, this is the one that kind of stuck because I found that balloon. There's a guy in Scripture that we're going to look at this morning. And uh, in, Ma in Mark chapter 5, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there with me. In Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, God, would you quicken your word to us? Not just to those of us who are our fathers in the room, but to every single one of us. Lord, because your word applies to all. It's beneficial for every single one of us today to apply to our lives. So, Lord, would you help us? In Jesus' name. Amen. In Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 24, it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, when he, was named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. We're going to look at Jairus this morning. One of the, the names used to describe 
God. We all know Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. We're going to look at one today about God is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. The God who is there. You see, when I think about us as men and as fathers, we can take the example from our Lord and say, you know what, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who's there. Men, you need to be there. You need to be there. Not just in, in body and not just with breath, but you need to be part of. You need to be active in your kids' lives, in your young adult lives, in your married children's lives. And as they grow up, it's amazing. They, our daughters, I mean, they're pretty amazing. After all, they come from Sharon and I. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just telling the truth. You know, when you're married 30 years, you have amazing kids. Those who've been married more than 30 years, your kids are like really amazing. And those of you who are getting there, your kids are becoming amazing. But but I'm amazed. What amazes me still is as even as I have adult daughters, is now they call me up, and say, "Hey, Dad, I have a." Catherine doesn't call me. She comes next door to my office, but. Our youngest will call me and she'll say, hey, Dad, I have a question. I was like, okay, well, I kind of like this. You know, it isn't just how do I change a flat tire. It isn't, you know, what about this? You know, and I was like, I'm thankful that I still have an opportunity to be there, to answer questions, to be, you know, uh, for those of you who have little kids, like right now you're a superhero. You go from knowing everything to knowing nothing. Some of you parents are in that stage right now. To, to where you know something again as your kids get older. And so somewhere you're along, somewhere along that chain. And God is there. And as we think about our lives, you know, there's many homes in our nation that suffer from phantom fathers from men who aren't there, from men who don't step up. And if you grew up in one of those homes, I want you to know that God is always there. You're saying, Pastor, I didn't have a good example of a father on this earth. I understand that. My father was amazing, but I know not everybody had an amazing father. But you, want, you need to know this today, that your Father in heaven is undescribable. There's not words that you have to describe how amazing he is. And he wants you to know this morning that his name is Jehovah Shammah, that he's the Lord who's there. That even if you didn't have a good example, he is there. He wants to be active in your life. He wants to be a father to you that you can just say, you know what, Father God, I thank you for who you are. That's his desire. You see, fathering a child does not make a man a father. Carrying the title of a father doesn't even make someone a, type, a, a father. I remember my father, he would work away from home many, many times. When we were growing up, he was in construction, and he would be home, and then he would go away for work, and then come home, and then go away for work. And, 
I, I remember somewhere along the line he said, well, you're, you're going to be the man of the house now. Well, you know what? Our houses don't need men of the house. They need fathers. They need fathers. Men, we, we have to set the example. We have to set the example. Now, trust me, in 30 years of marriage, my kids haven't just always seen a perfect example. They haven't. In 30 years of marriage, there's been some, some rough moments. There's been some things where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. In 30 years of marriage, there's been some things that our daughters have seen that I'm sure they, that they sent them to pray. But I thank God that in 30 years of marriage and in being a father, our girls have at least seen a man who's willing to apologize, who's willing to own it, who's willing to say, you know what, I made a mistake. So that's so much so that they love the Lord today. You know, there's, there's many, many pastor's kids who aren't in church today as adults. Because they got burned. They, they, they saw one thing, and I prayed this as we were praying with the team this morning. I said, God, help us to be the same thing that we are in public as we are in private. You know, it's one thing to, to come out here as your pastor and to say things and to, and to preach and to... But if I'm not living this at home, you can ask my, you can ask my daughters. They'll say, oh, yeah, kind of a hypocrite. But men, we need to be the same that people see outside is what they see in our home. Scripture tells us about this man named Jairus. He was a religious man. He was a ruler of the local synagogue. But he was also a father. Jairus was the presiding elder of the synagogue, an assembly that included the whole community of Capernaum. His position made him one of the most prominent men in his congregation. He was neither a teacher nor a preacher, but he was responsible for the order of the synagogue service. He was the keeper of the sacred books, which were the property of the community. He was, in, in one sense, the, the president, if you want, of the congregation, or the administrative head of even the whole city. He was the city manager, so to speak. At every service, it was his job to appoint someone to pray, someone to read the scripture, and if there was a visiting rabbi, he would invite them to read from the scripture and then comment to them. So we see this man of a high position, a man who's known among the people, a man of prestige and power, but a man who had a desperate need. This man's little girl was dying. And he couldn't do anything about it. It didn't matter the title that he had. It didn't matter the position that he had. It didn't matter the power that he had, the influence that he had. His, his daughter was dying. And I want to give you three things from this daughter's perspective of what she saw of her father. The first thing is that she saw that he was not ashamed to speak out to Jesus. He was not ashamed to seek out Jesus. 
They said, you know what? I know where the answer is. I know who the answer is. And let me tell you, I'm going to go find this Jesus. He understood that his position and his, his fame and his knowledge could only take him so far. He needed the one who could touch his daughter's life. He was not afraid to show his kids that he would seek out Jesus. He sought Christ. He didn't send his wife. He didn't say, honey, now I heard about this Jesus. Why don't you go find him for me? No, he did. When you take on the role of a father, you also take on the responsibilities of a father. And those responsibilities have been given to you by our Heavenly Father. <coughs> Excuse me. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You see, I... I I don't know, maybe it is because I'm getting older. And now here's where, you know, some older fatherly advice comes in. I see too many guys that want to be their friends, their kids' best friend. And, and they're, especially when they're in the formative ages. Man, your, your daughters don't want you just, or your kids don't want you just to be their best friend. They need your guidance. As they grow up and as they mature, to becoming young adults, yeah, you can be friendships with them for sure, but when they're younger, they need your guidance. They need your wisdom. They don't just need your jokingness. They don't just need your prodding them. They don't just need you exasperating them and picking on them. Man, they need you to lead them. They need you to lead them. They need you to... You, to, to lead them to where Christ is, to show them that it's okay to go and seek out Christ. Fathers have the responsibility to teach their children about God. It's not the mother's job to teach our kids about God. It's not even the church's job. I remember when we were in youth ministry 30 years ago, and, and people were saying, well, well, my kid isn't doing very well spiritually. My kid isn't growing. They're not maturing. And I'm like, do you understand? You send them to youth group for two hours a Friday night. Let's, let's do a calculation of time. They're in school for X number of hours. They're at home for the rest of those hours. Tell me what has the biggest influence. You want me to change their life in two hours when you can't do it in the other Hours given during the day. It's up to us. Parents. If you're sending your kid to, to youth group and to, to kids club and you're expecting them to grow and mature in the Lord and do nothing with them at home, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. It isn't going to happen. It isn't. I went to Sunday school every Sunday as a little kid until I kicked the nun's shin and we weren't allowed back. I wasn't, it wasn't, nothing was rubbing off on me. I wasn't becoming more spiritual. So I was just having cookies. You 
You see, men, it falls upon you to give your children the kind of upbringing that prepares them for living, that prepares them to live a life that is pleasing to God. How do you do that? How are you going to train your children? You're going to dedicate your children to God when they're young. You're going to say, Father, I thank you for this gift. I told Pastor Catherine that I was going to put a picture up there this morning of when she was born, and I, I didn't. But I remember as a young pastor, and you know, back in those days, oh my goodness, it was a tie every single Sunday. And we sat up on the platform, and I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, we're not there anymore. I hated sitting on the platform. You know, and, and so I remember having, you know, little Catherine in my arms. We're dedicating her. My dad is standing beside me. It was an amazing morning. But you see, what you do when you dedicate your children to the Lord, you're saying, Father, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Let's be honest. Right? If it's child number one, you don't, you, just because you're an uncle doesn't mean you know anything. But when it's child number one and you're a father, you're saying, God, I give this child back to you because, hey, I don't have a clue. I'm asking you, God, for your help here. I understand that this child is a gift from you, and I dedicate this child back to you. And we're really saying, Father, this child is yours, and so I dedicate this child back to you, God. So we need to dedicate our children. We need to place them in God's hands. We need to teach our children to fear the Lord, to turn away from evil, to, to love righteousness, to hate inequality, to instill in them a, God's attitude towards sin, to live before God the way that you would want them to live before God. We need to protect them from ungodly influences. Did you know that the enemy is wanting to destroy your kids? For those of you who have young kids, I'm praying for you. When I think about our world, I'm like, Jesus, I'm so glad that my kids aren't little in this day and age. There's so many things going on in our world, and I just, and maybe this is as you get older, I don't know, but I just shake my head sometimes, and I think, thank you, God. And I pray for you, young parents, you young fathers, the struggles that you will have will not be ones that I've had. But I want you to know that I'm praying for you. We need to protect them. We need to establish them. We need to make sure that they're understanding. They need to be part of a community to grow in faith. You see, men, if you don't see an importance of being in the house of God, neither will they. You need to teach them to fear and to reverence the Lord who... His name, His word, His work. We need to instruct them in the importance of following the things that Christ told us to in baptism and being obedient to the, to the scriptures and what scripture would call us to. We need to teach them that God has a purpose for their life. Regardless of His social position, regardless of the onlookers that Jerry has had around Him, he humbly knelt before Jesus and said, Jesus, only you can meet this need. Jarius understood that he had a need that there was no way he could do anything about it. It wasn't even possible for him to do something about it. 
He said, you know, Jesus, my child is dying. Would you please come? You see, men, and I'm not just speaking to men, it's all right for your children to see that you have limitations. It's all right for them to see you cry. I'm not a very weepy man. More so as I get older, we watch a Hallmark movie and I'm a wreck. But I'm not a very weepy man, but I, I, Pastor Catherine, I, I, I love her and appreciate her as much as I do our, our younger daughter, Julia. But when my father passed away, when my dad passed away, we were in Romania, and Julia was in grade 12. And so Sharon and Julia couldn't just come to Canada to be there for his funeral. She was passed away at a crucial time in her school year, and it just wasn't possible. And so I flew back to Canada by myself to go to my father's funeral, and thank God for Pastor Catherine. She was there, and I was a wreck. I don't think I've cried so much in my life. And just to see her, I mean, she was consoling me. I was a, I was a mess. It's okay to see your, your kids to see you cry. It's okay for them to see that you can't do it all. I, I, yeah, I know we've got this idea that we think we have to be superheroes. But men, it's okay to show your children that you're vulnerable. That things are not always just perfect. That life doesn't always just make sense. Would you be vulnerable? Say, you know what, I... You know, I'm, I'm strong, I'm a strong man, I care, I care for my kids. Yeah, you care for your kids, but it's okay to show them that you have limitations. This is what Jarius did. In his pride, his pride would have kept him away from going to seek out Christ. His pride would have stopped him from saying, where is Jesus who can meet my needs? But no, he realized that he needed to humble himself and go to the Savior. It's okay to let them see there's some things that you can't do and to show them that you have faith in the one you serve. Men and women, will you do that? Will you show your kids that you have faith in the one who you call Savior and Lord? Let them hear you calling on the name of the Lord and not just in church. I don't know if you've ever had a rough time in life where you weren't sure what you were going to eat and the cupboards were bare. It's okay for your kids to see you calling on the Lord and saying, God, we need you to supply. It's okay for that to happen. And if you've been blessed with abundance, don't you dare knock somebody else who's got to pray and say, God, we need you to meet this need. Fathers, we must be seekers of him, seekers of wisdom, seekers of his strength and guidance for the sake of your family. Let your children know that you're not ashamed of the gospel, nor the God of the gospel. She also saw that her father was not ashamed to bring Christ into his home. 
He was not ashamed to she was he was not ashamed to see her invite Christ into her home. You see, not only was he going to go, he was going to say, Christ, would you come? Would you come to my home? Would you come and minister to my daughter? Would you come into my home? It's one thing to go out, but it's another thing to say, Christ, would you come in? Would you come in and take care of this need? Why is this a big deal? Remember what they talked about about Jesus. Jairus is an important man in that culture, in that city. He's a man of influence. Who is Jesus? The murmurs and the talk of him were that, oh, this is the friend of sinners. He's a wine-bibber. He's the one who was doing all these things of which the Pharisees were not happy with and the Sadducees could care less about. He was not somebody popular. It was not like you were inviting over somebody that the world around you would say, yeah, you're pretty lucky. Christ would be the last one that that culture and community would say, have in your home. This was the friend of sinners. When you are of a certain position, the, the last one you invite into your house is, is that one? To be unheard of. I want you to know that under your roof, there better be an invitation given for the king of glory to come inside. You know what our nation needs? Our nation needs the Lord. Canada needs the Lord. The answers for our nation are not found in a political party. They're not. I don't care which way you vote and which way you lean. Our answers are not found in a political party. Our answers are found in the King of Kings. And when our homes line up with his kingdom, and if your home's going to line up with his kingdom, then it's got to start with you as an individual, doesn't it? See, you can vote however you want, but the only one that can change our nation is Jesus. Is Jesus. Oh, and I know we, we get the whole political. We're not getting there today. We'll wait till political season comes up. We need Christ to move. Amen? Our, our world today, our country needs Christian homes. We're told this in Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Oh, God, would you build our house? Father, we build our house on you, on the solid rock of who you are. Regardless of what others say, regardless of what others think, will we stand and declare like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you say that, man? You see, it doesn't matter, again, where you vote. It matters who kingdom you stand up for. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve him. 
In Mark chapter 5, in verse 35 to 43, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, do not be afraid, just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus was, oh sorry, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? Your child is not dead, but asleep. <laughs> but they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he looked at the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, to Heliacum, which means little girl, I said you get up. Immediately the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I, I like this. It, it, verse 43, he says, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And told her to give him something. Well, who wouldn't know something about this? Everybody's just wilding and, and crying that your daughter's dead and uh, now she's up walking. It's like, oh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> like, um, they're going to see, you know. They're going to see the miracle. They're going to see that she's come back to life. They're going to see that something has changed. Men, you may call yourself the head of the home. But who's the head of you? Who's the head of you? Jerry's daughter saw that her father was not ashamed to seek Jesus. She was not afraid to let him into her home. And the third thing is she was not ashamed to express his love towards her. Men, when is the last time you told your kids you love them? When is the last time your kids heard from your lips that you love them? If your kid's close to you, just go put your arm around them. Let them know that you love them. I'm thankful for, for my girls. I mean, I tell them every single moment, hey, I love you. It's not weird. It's not, it's not strange. It's like they need to hear it. They need to hear it. Why? Because I do. I do. I, I love our girls. And I'm sure, I'm grateful that my wife is not getting sick and tired of me telling her, I don't know how many times a day, a lot. I love you. Hey, honey, I love you. You know, you're amazing. You're the best. Because she is, and I do, and I love my wife, and I love our girls. Don't be afraid to express love. Don't be afraid to say, you know what, I love you. What took him from his daughter's side to seek out a Jewish teacher, what compelled him to fall at the feet of Christ, to cry at him big, please come was a man who, to, who forgot his place in society and said, you know what? I need to love them. My love will push me past 
whatever uncomfortableness, whatever others may talk about, whatever others may think, and I love them. I love our girls. And on Father's Day, I love spending time with them. If you see Pastor Catherine and I riding around on a bike or going for coffee, it's not like, well, it's not like I don't do that with Julia either. We just watch different movies together. Catherine and I think we're, we watch the sci-fi. Julia, she's more into the romancy ones. You know, it's like, oh, Jesus. You know, if Julia had to figure out what Star Wars character that was, she'd never get there. You know, but that's okay. I love being with our daughters. I love spending time with them. And I know as parents you understand that. And I, I don't want you to know that you need to pass that on. You need to tell them often. We know that his love for his daughter would cause him to go and to seek him out to say, Christ, would you come? Christ, would you speak these words? Would you move in my family? We aren't told how long she lived after this. Listen to this, though. There was not a day that didn't go by that this girl, maybe if the worship team could come, we could maybe sing that song that we did at the very, the very last one, please. There's not a day that went by that this little girl didn't know that I'm alive because of my dad's love. There wasn't a day that she didn't go by that she said, you know what, my dad loves me, and this is what he did for me. Fathers, don't be ashamed to let your children see you seeking the Lord. Have them in your home. Set the example, set the pace. And if your kids aren't at home anymore, let them hear it in your voice. Let them see it in how you treat their mother. And if life has gone difficult for you or, or changed for you, let them see it in your life. Let them see how you love God. Let them see that you've changed. Let them see in you Christ. I'd like us to pray a blessing on the fathers this morning. And maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I'm not a actual father, but I know this. I'm a spiritual father to my nieces and nephews. There's somebody, just as I talked to you about Brian in Zambia, who's kind of, uh, kind of my son, but not. You know, he was a double orphan. But maybe there's somebody here who says, you know what, yeah, I feel that responsibility as well. We want to pray God's blessing on you. So, men, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. Go ahead. Man, if you're a father, stand up. Okay. And as you see these men standing, if you're their spouse, their children, if you're a friend of them, just go ahead and put your hand on their shoulder. We can't have others go to you this morning because of COVID. But just go ahead and pray for them. Just go ahead and pray for them that God would minister to them and God would strengthen them. If you see somebody standing by themselves, just go and link arms with another man and just begin to pray for them. 
hey, God, would you be glorified in their home? Would you be strengthened in their life? I don't want any guy standing alone. So if you're looking around and you're seeing a guy standing by himself, go ahead. Find them and, and pray God's blessings upon them. No man standing alone. Let's pray, God, would you strengthen them? Why don't you lead us, Kenny? As, as you're praying, just begin to pray even while he's singing. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Till I lay in my head Well, I sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful so so good with every breath that I am able well I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice
Example is he. 